0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome into another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. Just a quick reminder, use code 21TRIPLE10 and you'll get 10% off all the great tools over at FantasyPoints.com. You got the DFS optimizers, fantasy analysis and tools and tricks and all that great stuff guaranteed to help you win your leagues down the stretch here. Your fantasy football championships and all the other sports that go with the fantasy points brand, but we're here to talk baseball tonight. And of course, you know our first guy here. He's a guy. This guy. He's a, a piece of cheese that reads fan graph data and children's books in the same night. It's Art Tornabeni, aka Little Cheesecake. The LC. LC, how's it going? It's good, man. It's going real well. I got my uh, doggy
1: style pale ale right here. So that's what. Uh, Doggy style, yeah, 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 yeah. Flying Dog Brewery, good Flying Dog, yeah. I remember doggy that. style, it's very good stuff. Get your good mind beer. out the gutter. Yeah, I didn't know there beer called that one. Well, what is your favorite style of anything? Doggy style, hot doggy style for when you're eating at a barbecue. You know, <laughs> oh.
0: this podcast so, is getting after dark very quickly. <laughs> uh, I'm just
1: saying, <clears throat> beer and doggy style. That's what's wrong. Well, I we see also no problems.
0: She's kicking you got a dirty mind. I'm, I'm, we're going to move on here.
1: 45.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're also joined by a man that's preparing to eat a lot of Chinese food this week. That's our, uh, Eric Mendelson aka the doc. What's up?
2: I mean, you just told everyone I'm Jewish right there, so cats out of the bag.
0: Yeah, I think they already knew that. But are you going to you're going to Kevin's restaurant on Thursday? Uh, Friday, Friday. Thir-
2: thir- Thursday, uh, Thursday, Friday. How about I actually go on Christmas and do the stereotypical it, wait, t- wait, wait, thing Christmas on Saturday?
0: God, gosh, gosh, I'm all over gosh you David, like,
2: you're Catholic and you don't even know that. I'm, I know it's, uh, it's we're we're taking you back to our
0: side. Yeah, of course. Also, join me, the last member of the crew, a guy who idolizes Bob Burnquist. It is Marty Tallman. What's Ooh. up,
3: man? Bob Burnquist, the fakey five zero, fakey flip out back into the vert ramp in like two thousand one. Best trick contest it was absolutely unbelievable. So, but uh, yeah.
0: No, I was gonna say. So I was hoping. I was like, I know you skateboard, and I was mm-hmm. like, Does he know his skateboarders, especially <laughs> the old school ones? Was, more than the
3: dark. more than baseball, without a doubt. Really? Yeah.
0: That's, this is a whole separate discussion for another day. It we is. could go the the Chad Muskas, the Bucky Lassex.
3: He's gonna be the Chad yeah. oh,
4: Austin. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. There, yeah.
3: One there it is. is. Jamie, Song,
4: Jamie Thomas. Is there a Jamie Thomas is. man? The leap of faith. Is there, there it a is, man. Skateboard podcast.
3: No, that would be. You could do it for like street league somehow. Um, It's possible, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Well, that uh,
0: Tony Hawk's pro skater, that voice you heard before we continue with our pro skater talk, we welcome in a man who will kick your ass whether it's in fantasy baseball or in CrossFit. Uncle Block, as he's called by some, does MOV fantasy for FTN fantasy and calls the chalk donkeys like he sees them. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who runs through your mind like he does marathons and races, a surveyor of land and the sea, as he is the Brockness monster. It's our guy, Brock Miller. What's up, man?
4: Man, I, I'm just so pumped to be here. This is actually my first podcast of the off season. Uh, just started getting ready. Um, jumped in my first draft uh, on I think on Sunday. Already get my ass whipped on that one. So um, yeah, man, draft season's here. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, man. So what does your kind of season schedule usually consist of? Like you get in your first drafts kind of the end of December and then January you start just cranking them out. What's what's it normally go for you?
4: Yeah, um, that's the way it's turning up this year. In years past, I've been uh, pretty good for waiting for like mid January, like early January. I'll kind of uh, put together some projections and um, kind of have my ideas on guys and I'll, I'll start joining um, like DCs then um, and then just kind of build from there. But I got the itch a little bit early this year, and uh, so yeah, I just jumped into a draft this this last weekend. No research. I don't have any rankings put together. Just jumping in raw. Like I hate my team. It's terrible. It's so bad. I had I had to put it on Twitter. Like you know, I mean, everybody puts their tweet. You know, like you know, they're they're super proud of the way their draft started and stuff like that. I'm like, this is so awful. You guys got to see this thing. Um, so it's pretty bad. So.
0: I mean, what better way to get used to than just getting your feet wet, and just jumping right in, right?
4: That is absolutely it.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I actually am getting. Re- I just started actually doing my research this week, uh, and I'm planning to start doing some drafts starting right after the holidays. And because I feel like every single year, it's earlier and earlier. Like it's getting pushed up more and more. People are doing drafts in October. And then, you know, oh, it's it is. it's crazy. It's it's I mean, I, I respect those that are doing it, but I'm, I'm almost like by the end of the season, I need to kind of recollect and just kind of take a little bit of time before the next eight to 10 months go. Right.
4: Right. The the, the end of the season hits and uh, I try to go camping every weekend for like at least like six weeks or something like that. Like just do the absolute opposite. You know, everything I do, I'm trying to create balance. You know, my my job, I'm stuck sitting here inside. On a computer all day, so I spend a lot of my free time outside, you know, creating that balance there. Um, and you can't create that balance if you're drafting when the world series is going on. If you're drafting for 2022, mm-hmm. that's not creating balance, that's just uh, I would get burned out, you know, and it's people, peak football season, so it's like you can't, there's you can't, other things you, to do,
2: yeah. You can't quit checking your team at week eight, like you got to keep piling through,
4: yeah, that's yeah. right.
0: Well. We're talking fantasy baseball, so I guess we're guilty, too. We're, just not, we're not drafting, but we're talking fantasy baseball. And we got a, a great show today with Brock here. We've got Fixing the Division NL West Edition. So it is a, our last bit of our Fixing the Division series. And we're talking about basically once everybody talks free agency, position previews, dynasty outlooks, all that type of good stuff that's going to be coming in 2022. We kind of want it to be a little different here. Put our GM hats on and try to fix every team in every division, contenders, pretenders, what free agents the team should bring in, trade away stars to collect assets, all that great stuff. Again, kind of concluding this series tonight with the NL West. We've got Brock doing the Dodgers, Doc doing or Brock and Dodgers close. Brock doing the Dodgers, Doc doing the Padres, Art doing the Giants, Marty doing the Diamondbacks, and then I'm doing the Colorado Rockies no one else wants to talk about the rockies so let's talk about the first bullet point in this discussion bad contracts are there any bad contracts on this team and if so are they movable so brock i'm going to you first for your dodgers does this fit anybody on this team
4: you know they're they're kind of um they're definitely one of those teams that they don't go for the big deals except for if it's like the young superstar guys um something that i've noticed that they do not only young superstar guys, but guys that run really fast. Um, those guys are the guys that tend to age, not like Albert Pujols. Um, I think they're going to try to trade, uh, extend Trey Turner. I- we'll probably get to that in a minute or whatever, but, um, you know, guys like that. So looking around at the roster, they have contracts that really stick out to me that, that they wouldn't really want. Like if anybody fits into that category, it's A.J. Pollock, but uh, I think he definitely has a place on this team. He's a good player, so um, I, I definitely wouldn't call him uh, a bad contract that they're trying to offload. There's a lot of teams that have you know, better examples of that, I think.
0: What's um, Max Muncy's contract?
4: Uh, I think he's got two years. They He was only two years in, and they gave him a, an extension. I don't know that it covered all of his arbitration years. It was like a three-year deal. I think he is locked up. Let's see. He's got five years of service time. And, um, oh, he's a free agent at the end of, no, he has a, a club option for 23. So, um, you know, it's, it's a cheap deal. I think he's owed like $9 million this year. Um, uh, he's, he's kind of interesting though, because we got to find out how much he's even going to play this year.
0: Yeah. He is a torn UCL, if I'm not mistaken. Correct.
4: Right. Yeah. That's what, uh, so I've been seeing, I, I haven't. Um, it's definitely a scenario where I think if they're going to do Tommy John surgery, it would have been done, you know, two months ago. Um, so I think they're going to try and rehab it. He got the, uh, what are they, the platelet rich injections, um, that they usually do. I I think they're going to try and do without the Tommy John surgery, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that.
0: Yeah. And you're right. I mean, you look at it right now, he's projected to make $13 million this year. Oh, is it 13? at least it's according to uh Spot Track. They have a eleven and a half million dollar base salary and then a one and a half million dollar signing bonus.
4: Let
2: me let me ask you because you and I are probably the only teams that have players with big contracts, like Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis. Are you gonna say that they're bad contracts because of how they're gonna be down the road, or is it just kind of a uncharted waters
4: territory? So for, for me, they're not going to be bad contracts. These are like um, the way that these guys sign these contracts. There is a little bit of that money that's involved in these contracts that they're getting paid for what they've done. You know, when when those guys were 22 years old and they were earning 19 million dollars out on the field, and they got paid five hundred sixty grand. Um, I mean, obviously, the system is the way it is. And, and it's also the way the system is is the reason why we're in the situation we're currently in right now. There's there's that too. But there is a little bit of um, these guys getting paid for what they've done in the past. So uh, I think the teams always know that the back ends of these contracts are always not going to be great. Um, I I think that with the way that they had the, the luxury tax done, uh, Bryce Harper is probably a better example of, of the point that, that I'm trying to make here. Bryce Harper wanted the $300 million contract, and I think the Phillies said, okay, we'll give you the big contract that you want, but we're we're trying to give you a 10-year contract. But we're going to give you a 13-year contract, and then have you play it out. We'll cut you when there's three years left on the deal. You still get the same amount of money, but the average annual value of that contract that's going to go towards the the luxury tax is going to be a lot less. I think they agreed on a 10-year contract. $300 million deal. And then they just kind of spread it out that way. And so if you look at things in, in, in those terms, you know, even if these guys, you know, if they're good for like the first half of these contracts, I think a team, especially a team like the Dodgers that have a lot of money to spend, I think they're going to be happy with the money that they've spent.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, again, that's why Muncy was the only thing that I kind of questioned, but he is a free agent or technically they, they wouldn't have to pay him after this year. So if that ucl thing kind of lingers and there's questions they can cut bait from that so yeah i I agree and then a lot of great young guys that they have that i'm sure we'll talk about later now cheesecake you have Mm -hmm. the giants a team that hasn't spent like the dodgers but they've competed with the dodgers absolutely so any bad contracts over in the
1: bay area well i know you know i apologize for saying doggy style before you know i should not bring the sort of content I don't and know. You don't, don't have that. to be a baseball missionary to love the way the Giants run their program.
4: <laughs> You're, right you now, are something else. This, You're something else. This keeps it coming. Just keeps the, it coming.
1: The, uh, the only contract that really gives me any pause for them right now is Evan Longori, who has two years and about $32 million left on his contract. And and really he's he started out the season very hot. He just missed about half of it. And I don't really see him playing big, big games. I think he's going to be missing a lot of time from here on out two years left, 32 million. I don't think that's really movable. Brendan Crawford has two years, 32 million left, but he looks like he's pretty durable. That's not really that, that too much to pay for a guy who provides really good defense and is a t- and is an above average hitter at his position. So I, I don't really think anyone other than Longoria, you know, uh, would really qualify as a bad contract.
0: Yeah, and they didn't re-sign Gosman, so they didn't spend a ton mm-hmm. of money on him. They just kind of re-signed a bunch of, you know, mid-tier pitchers. You got the DeSclifanis and um, a, a couple Alex other. Wood. And I'm sorry? Alex Wood. And Alex Wood. Yeah, like those types of guys mm-hmm. that they brought in just to kind of eat up some innings. And the Dodgers or the, or the Giants have been kind of taking these guys and turning, just kind of churning them out into effective pitchers for them. Not flashy, but they're getting the job done. So, uh, you know. Again, I think that's what they do. That's why there's not too many bad contracts there. Marty, you had the Diamondbacks. You were very excited to do the Diamondbacks. Any bad Absolutely. contracts there?
3: Yeah, so the Diamondbacks, I mean, so we always ask the question, the biggest question of this is how can we fix them? And they are unfixable for this year. Um, they have the fifth lowest payroll in baseball, so that is on their side It's at $66.6 million. And to put that into, into perspective, the A's have invested more into their players at this point than the Diamondbacks. Um, but there's only one really bad contract, and that's Madison Bumgarner. So he's owed $23 million each year for the next three years. Uh, Or in other words, he's making more than Robbie Ray is. So he just won the Cy Young, just signed a brand-new contract, and Bumgarner's still making a couple more million per year for him for a little bit. Uh, Last year, Bumgarner had a 4.67 ERA and a 4.57 Sierra. So for me at this point, I think obviously his best days are behind him. He's basically an innings eater who only gets you about 130, maybe 140. And, um, yeah, they're just going to have to wait that one out. It's not movable.
0: Yeah. uh, Diamondbacks have been kind of – I feel like they had that one stretch a few years ago where they were looking to – spending a lot of money, and they were trying Mm -hmm. to contend – And now they're kind of just trying to tear it down slowly but surely, but they're still kind of in a weird area.
3: They're in a weird spot. 2019, they overachieved. Uh, 2020, they kind of stayed even. And then last year, they were the one of the worst teams in baseball.
0: Yeah, I think it's a very weird situation going on in Arizona. Doc, you have kind of the opposite right now, going with the Padres, a team that's spending money like it's going out of style, a team with tons of young talent, tons of uh, players they brought on big contracts here, trying to compete with the Dodgers. Trying to make a name for the San Diego City here. Tell us about the, the Padres here. What should we know about their contract situation?
2: So I grouped it into two sorts of contracts. The ones are, we'll have to wait and see. Tatis is in the second year of the 14 year 340 million extension. We're going to have to see how that plays out over time. You know, obviously he's had some shoulder issues, but when he's on the field, he's amazing. Machado has seven years, 234 million left. So those are in the two categories. Now I'm going to give you some bad contracts. Eric Hosmer has four years, 60 million left from the eight year 144 he signed. Ooh, I'll, give yeah. you one, I'll give you one guess of who his agent is. Scott Boras. Oh, of course. We got Will Myers, who's in the last year of his deal, but he's making 22 and a half million. We have your guy, Pomeranz, comma, Drew David, who has two years, 20 what? million.
0: Why is that my guy?
2: Just the way I said it. We'll talk about it off air.
0: Okay, I have no idea what that means.
2: Um, two years, twenty million left on his contract, mm. and then this one isn't awful. But I'm just not a Blake Snell fan, and he has two year, twenty nine point one million left. He's making thirteen point one million this year, sixteen point six next year at age thirty one. I just don't think he's going to age well.
0: It's interesting because I've actually heard some people in the industry say that this is a bounce back for Blake Snell this year based off what he did at the end of last year. So you're not buying.
2: I mean, here's the thing. Blake Snell isn't a bad pitcher, but I will never have him on my team because I'll never overdraft him.
0: Well, Last year, year,
2: he hadn't gone seven innings pitched in a game since he won the Cy Young in 2018 and until like July of last year. like He was topping out at like five, six innings and – like I, I just can't spend, you know, a round three, round four pick on a guy that I don't think can give me the upside that I'm looking for. You know, I'll, I'll take a Lance Lynn. You know, Marty knows that might throw eight shutout innings, or maybe he gets bombed in three innings, but he has a higher ceiling than Blake Snell does.
0: So right now, Blake Snell's going 123, according to.
3: Uh, that's that's disrespectful, so maybe I'll take it. What, uh, who's around him for context?
0: All right, so these are the pitchers around him. Right after him at 124 is Nate Evaldi. Then you have Ian Anderson. And then the next starting pitcher is Shane Baz. <sighs> wow. That's and just ahead of him is Justin Verlander and Carlos Rodon. I don't know why Carlos Rodon is that high.
2: Yeah, I would take him over Rodone. I think the rest of those I would take over um, Snell.
0: Brock, you were kind of shaking your head with the Blake Snell. What are your thoughts on, on Blake Snell?
4: Yeah, um, I mean, from a DFS perspective, it was um, really sweet. Um, there in July when Snell made noticeable changes to his um, the way that he was attacking hitters, um, and the results came, and, and uh, it was a profitable couple starts there when people – expected him just to pitch the way that he had in the first um, three months of the season there. And, and the results kept coming in. I, you know, I haven't looked at the prices a whole lot, but I might be in on Blake Snell this year. Like I, you know, when, when these guys have a great year um, guys that aren't consistent pitchers, when they have a great year, if they're coming off a great year, like I'm just automatically going to probably not pay their price Um, Mm -hmm. when, uh, you know, not that great, uh, Blake Snell is great. I mean, he's definitely not great, but he has <laughs> some upside there. And his price, you know, this year compared to where it was last year, if you look at his price year to year, um, you know, there there might be some value there this year. I might, I might be on Blake Snell.
0: Yeah, right now he has a min pick of sixty three and a max pick of one sixty nine.
2: If I get him at one sixty nine, I'll tell you what I'll take him there.
0: Yeah,
4: absolutely. Yep.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I gets past pick one hundred, I'll probably take the upside that he gives you. At that point, you know yeah, that's,
4: the, the strikeout rate was like I should have. Looked, I, I'd like to look it up. I mean, that strikeout rate was like top five in baseball those last two months of the season. And I know it's a short sample size, but that is a lot of strikeouts.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you're technically where he's going right now. You get him after the seventh round. Like that's a pretty good, especially if you wait for pitcher and he can get him as like your your second or third pitcher. Uh, you know, I think that's a lot of upside there i i mean i'll see what happens to his price but
4: what what was he he was like i think by like main event season last year he was going like 45 50 overall i think something like that
0: yeah i'm actually gonna pull up right now on uh,
4: it's not like he had a bad start to the season and a great finish to the season like i think we kind of know what we have with with blake snell like my opinion of him has not changed like a ton um, and he, you know, he was, you know, a 45, a 50 overall guy last year, a um, hundred overall this year. Is That's cool.
2: I got, I got his K percentages here. So in August it was 38.8% in September and October, 42.3%. So that's just Ooh. like relief pitcher numbers. That's, that's astonishing. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you can kind of see as far as the draft trends with his ADP kind of where it's going right now. Kind of hasn't really changed too much since the beginning of draft season., uh, but it's kind of yeah, it's been I, I could see it going up once we get a little closer uh, to where we're at now. But let's go uh, go from that. Let's talk about the <laughs> let's talk about the Rockies, and I'll keep the Rockies discussions very short here. They have one bad contract, you could say. Trevor Story and John Gray are both gone. Charlie Blackman has a has two years remaining making 21.3 and 18.3 million over the next two years both of them are player options so most likely he's going to be opting into both his 21 million dollars this year is actually almost a quarter of the team's total salary which is at 98 million dollars right now so I don't know how you guys feel about Charlie Blackman obviously he's a you know a guy you could have maybe as like a, a fourth or fifth outfielder that's not great at this point in his career but he's you know someone at that, at that spot isn't going to hurt you like crazy. He's obviously not going to give you stolen bases, um, but his power seemed like it hasn't been quite been there what it used to be. And uh, that's not a good contract right now with the Rockies, especially a team that's basically trying to sell off its assets and are in this kind of just ugly, ugly area where there's not a lot of assets on this team and you don't really know what they're going to be doing to step in the right direction. They have CJ Crone, Antonio Senzatella. They also have Scott Oberg. Uh, they're all making $7 million on short deals this year, one year deals. So those aren't really bad contracts. It's just so kind of a mess. They have Blackman and then just a bunch of pieces there. So um, we'll get into more of their team a little bit later, but not, not great. Uh, Not great. Biggest assets. All right. So now we're going to start here with cheesecake. I'm have you lead this one off. Mm -hmm. Who are your team's biggest assets? Will your team be keeping them or moving them for future parts? The biggest asset on the team right now is Logan Webb, who is, well,
1: I think you can argue that at the major league level, it's, it's Logan Webb, the guy who they're hoping becomes their staff ace for the future. The guy who they're hoping gets that 190 innings that they're, they lost from Gossman from last season. They want to have replace that, but then they also have some pretty nice uh, prospects. They got Marco Luciano. It's a great prospect, top five prospect in all of baseball. Got Joey Bartz. Top six, top twenty prospect in all of baseball. I don't, I don't necessarily know what to expect from him this year coming up. But um, there's there's some good assets here. Uh, I don't think they're going to be looking to trade from their assets at this point. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot a lot of, a lot to like here. But most of their stuff on the major league level, late twenties, early thirties. Not a lot of young guys. Not a lot of guys
0: here looking at upside, except guy except uh, Logan Webb. Logan Webb really burst on the scene this past year. Mm-hmm. Cheesecake, do you think that he can replicate it all, anything he did from last season, or do you think it was a mirage? No, I, I'm I'm bullish on Webb for this year coming up. I think the Giants do
1: a good job handling their staff. I think they have a good. They're going to put together, finish putting together a pretty good bullpen. I, I'm bullish on him. I don't know if he's going to get 190 innings, but I think that he's going to take the next step in his maturation. He's going to have a real nice year.
0: Okay. All right. Marty, the Diamondbacks, why don't you tell us about the their assets?
3: Yeah, so we'll start with who I think they're going to keep. Number one is going to be Dar- uh, Dalton Varsho. So last year at the beginning, the first half of the year, the 25-year-old, I mean, he really struggled when he came up. Mm-hmm. Um, he did so bad they actually sent him back down. Um, but once he came back on June 19th, he looked really good. So after the uh, all-star break, Varsho slashed 290, 349, 530 with 10 home runs and five stolen bases. So he has the ability to play catcher and outfield, and he's looking at like a 2015 kind of player. So I think they're going to be keeping him long-term. And they also have three prospects in the top 50. Uh, Jordan Lawler, shortstop, he's uh, ranked 13 overall. Corbin Carroll, outfielder, he's ranked 20th overall as a prospect. And Alex Thomas, he's ranked uh, 40th. Um, expect Thomas to actually come up this year. I'm pretty excited for that, along with uh, Seth Beer as well. But those are the ones I think they're going to hold on to. And I think this year the Diamondbacks are going to be some of the biggest shakers coming in, you know, for especially for contending teams. Number one, they have Cattell Marte. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's going to be their biggest asset moving forward. Number two is David Peralta. You know, I think he's 34 years old. He's past his prime, but he has one more year left. He might be able to help somebody out. Uh, Merrill Kelly, I think a lot of um, contending teams that need a fourth, fifth starter, you know, he makes a lot of sense for that. And then Nick Ahmed, you know, he's still one of the best uh, defensive shortstops in baseball. So, you know, maybe a team like the Astros or Angels that need a kind of just a veteran stopgap. Um, I think that'll be it. But uh, yeah, that's it.
0: Could tell Marte, what's his contract? Do you know what his contract status is, Marty? Because if he's locked in, I could see them getting a haul for Catal Marte. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so he's controlled um, for the next three seasons at $8 million a year in 2022, Woo-hoo! and then club options for 23 in 2024. So and that's only a total of $22 million. So hey, it's a very reasonable contract with his age and his ability. I mean, the Diamondbacks are pretty much asking for a ton for Marte. Um, who was that? I think it was um, –
2: That's what we yeah, call f- manipulation. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. they did a good job of it. And Ken Rosenthal, that's exactly what he said. He says uh, the Diamondbacks are expecting a bigger haul than they got for Paul Goldschmidt and Zach Renke.
0: Yeah, I mean, with that type of control and for what he offers, I can understand why. Doc, the Padres, obviously they have the Tatises of the world um, and they have some big name stars, but I wouldn't necessarily call those assets that they're going to trade. Do they have guys that you think that they might trade or, you know, any type of... um, Players that they might bring in there.
2: So the Padres have made the postseason once in the last ten years, and they currently have the fourth largest payroll. So they're going to go all in. Now I look at their starting pitching, and it's locked in as Darvish, Clevenger coming off Tommy John, Musgrove, and probably Dino Santlamet because I don't think anyone's going to trade for him. So I think their biggest asset that they might trade Blake is Blake And Blake Snell. So I think their biggest asset is Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock's going to be due for a payday. At some point soon, based on his upside, he's 26 years old, so I think he could be a name that's floated around. Adrian Morahan, who showed some upside last year, he's 23 years old. He has a 3.86 ERA. I think Trent Grisham. Once again, they're kind of loaded in that outfield. I don't think anybody's going to take the Hosmer contract. Um, and then they have three top of the 50 prospects. They have CJ Abrams, who's a 6'2" shortstop, who's number six. Luis Camposaro who is a 5'11 catcher, and then Robert Hassel, who's an outfielder, who's number 43. So once again, I think they're going all in. I wouldn't be surprised if they package two or three of these guys to get a superstar player that might try and push them over. Um, I, I would expect maybe that they go for a hitter. Not saying they go for like a Mike Trout, but someone like an Alex Bregman type, who is a fide all-star, and they might be able to, you know, maybe like a Cattell Marte, then they can move to second base outfield have kind of that pro profile role and give up some of these rebuilding pieces.
0: Well, it would be interesting because I know they have Jake Cronenworth there.
2: I don't think they're yeah. getting rid of Cronenworth. I, I think he's too beneficial just because of the flexibility he has, um, especially with his stolen base upside. But I mean, they, they got Trent Grisham for basically nothing like Trent Grisham couldn't have played in Milwaukee anymore after that ball went under his uh, glove mm. against the nationals. I mean, he wasn't welcome back there. So I think that makes him a little bit more expendable.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, the Padres obviously have a lot of good prospects. And, of course, you got to wonder what a Mackenzie Gore, if he's considered an asset at this point. Yeah. It, after, I don't even know what happened to him. Um, I, I mean, he was as touted as any pitcher in the last couple of years, I feel like, as far as the upside when he, they first got drafted and then just completely fell apart. Him and
2: Forrest Whitley walked into a bar to, together.
0: Yeah, probably. Brock, back to the Dodgers. Any assets that they have that you realistically could see them potentially trading or um, anything of that nature? Uh,
4: they're going to have to find them uh, because I I don't know that free agency is the way that they're going to replenish the rotation. Um, they, could, they, they could go in like Abrodon or, or one of those guys, but – I think, you know, probably a trade is uh, a more likely scenario for them. Um, I think you could make the argument, you know, Gavin Lux is probably looking like the uh, number one option for them at second base. But if, if you really want to run a a platoon at second base for, for them um, there's probably a case to be made for Zach McKinstry to play uh, part of the platoon there. And uh, you know, him and like say Chris Taylor, and then Taylor can, uh, even against righties, Taylor can stay against in the uh, lineup and hit against right-handers and play left field in lieu of A.J. Pollock. So I think you can make a, uh, a case to trade Gavin Lux to try and um, cash in on him. I, I think he still has good value right now. Um, I, I, you know, If it was totally up to me, though, I'm holding on to Gavin Lux and, and just see if he can have a little bit of a breakout. I, I think that if he is going to break out, this is the year that it's going to happen for him. Um, But the bottom line is that the Dodgers are going to have to add, you know, probably two starters, Um, you know, as it sits right now, Bueller and and is at the top there, and I'm a Tawny Gonsolin fan, um, but, you know, nobody's penciling him in for 160 innings, of course, Uh, you know, 180 innings, nothing like that. So, um, Andrew Heaney, David Price, you got one of the biggest payrolls in baseball, and you're... um, you know you're you're trying to win a world series i don't think you can go into the season with whatever's left of david price as your number 5 starter i think you're going to have to go out there and add so gavin lux is probably the most obvious fit for uh, as far as you know uh, a trade from the major league roster move down to the minor leagues um i don't think bobby miller's going anywhere he's shot up prospect rankings he was their first round pick i mean the the dodgers get like best prospects and and it's guys that they get you know they they pick 28th in the draft every year and they still pick better prospects than the teams that get top 10 picks um bobby miller shot up the prospect rankings i don't think he's going anywhere ryan pepio he's probably a guy that could probably work into that rotation at some point this season um so i don't think they're going to want to trade him away um but maybe like diego cartaya he's a catcher he's pretty young he's a couple years away he actually played here in, in uh, Rancho Cucamonga this year. Um, got to see him over there a couple of times, but pretty high level uh, catching prospect there. And the Dodgers are pretty locked in with uh, Will Smith, a, a catcher there, and they really like Austin Barnes. They think they, exci- they extended him for two years this offseason. So, um, you know, Cartaya is a little bit blocked. I think when you have mega prospects that are like 20 years old, it's kind of. It it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to say that they're blocked at the major league levels. You know, they're a couple years out, and if the bat plays, then then they'll find a way there. But he could make sense as a a trade there. Um, You know, they've got a couple other guys there that um, they could probably do without. Um, The the Dodgers build out a pretty good farm system there, Um, and uh, you know, as we can see, uh, I think their system slipped to middle of the pack um, after the trade for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner there. You know, that's that's pretty big, though. Josiah Gray, um, you know, when when you trade away your two best prospects, I mean, it, it's going to you know, you're you're going to take a hit there. So um, the system is still got some interesting uh, arms in there. Um, I think the Dodgers have an interesting bullpen already, even with if, if they decide to let, you know, Kenley Jansen walk. I still think the bull, bullpen is going to be pretty solid there. There's a lot of um, interesting young arms in there. So I don't know that they need to really go out of their way to make a trade for that. Um, it's probably going to be for starting pitching. Um, and so maybe that's Gavin Lux. Uh, maybe it's one of those uh, younger hitters.
0: Talk about starting pitching. What are your thoughts on Andrew Heaney this year? Does he bounce back with the Dodgers? Is he one of those you guys you get at the end of your draft that ends up being a gem?
4: <laughs> but I, on the spot? I drafted him in a few spots last year, like DCs. I was kind of, I was kind of like, "Oh man, he's gonna, he's gonna strike out 220 guys this year. It's gonna be great." You know, take him 220th overall, whatever that. Like, <sighs> um, so you want me to yeah, tell
0: you where his ADP is?
4: I uh, yeah, where's where he going now? Like 500 is not <laughs> not that, late, I mean, no, but still.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's right now settled at 330. 330. He he does have a max pick of 584.
4: (laughs) Oof. That's, that's good. I, I 584, anybody with a, anybody that projects to like start 15 games in a season, you know, you can, you know, when you, when you're getting that, that deep, that's an option. That's fine. But Andrew Heaney, I, I just, the, The upside's been there. Um, You know, he was a Dodger for 10 minutes at some point, like three or four years ago. I think if you guys recall, um, he came over in the D Gordon trade. Anybody Mm remember that guy? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Andrew Heaney, I I just – do I have confidence in Andrew Heaney? No, but I'm also like a guy that like sits at home alone and plays fantasy baseball, and those guys that get paid like millions of dollars to make these kinds of decisions, they were like, yeah, I kind of like that guy, bring him in. So. (laughs) Don't take my opinion. Don't don't listen to my opinion on Andrew Heaney. The really smart guys liked him, so I'm going to go with that as my answer there. I think, you know, the the fastball is bad with with Heaney there, but he's got a good curveball. I don't know why I always think like Rich Hill with him. Like if he could command the the curveball well enough, Rich Hill had a bad fastball, but he could put it in the in the exact same spot that he need to put it in often enough. That it really mirrors away from that um, from that curveball, and he can really make that work. He's just super old and can't stay healthy. Um, maybe there's something in there for Heaney. You know, the Dodgers are famous for teaching a good slider um, to pitchers and getting the most out of pitchers. There, I don't know if that's something that really works for Heaney because he's a fastball curveball guy. But um, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm uh, I'm not super excited, but. If anybody's gonna do it to the Dodgers, right?
2: The rule that's of Andrew right. Heaney is he has three max starts good in a row just before you can start trusting him, and then he has a
4: bad one. And then he and just, yeah, and it's and it's usually in a favorable matchup against like the Marlins. Yeah, yeah, yeah no kidding. Yeah, no, that's there. It's it's really funny. Like, I don't know how much DFS you guys play. I'm a big DFS guy. Um, and I just I have a rule. Anytime you know, guys like Heaney, there's just a handful of those guys out there where, you know, most days you're just kind of analyzing the matchups and, and kind of seeing where it falls and stuff like that. And then there's guys like Andrew Heaney where it's like, I don't need to look at the matchup. If like 25% of the field is going to be on Heaney, I'm out. Like the only time I'm going to take him is when nobody else is taking him because you just can't predict him.
0: Right. No, he's, he's very uh, like seven innings, 10 Ks, no runs. And then the next start, three innings, eight earned runs. It's
4: yeah. He's, he's, he's five the king home of, runs at Yankee stadium.
0: Yep. <laughs> Um, I'll keep it real quick with the Rockies. They have right now. Herman Marquez is kind of interesting. 11.3 and mm-hmm. 15.3 and then 16 mil over the next three years, all club options. So a very affordable salary for a pitcher of his caliber and someone they could shop. They actually only have one player in the top 50 prospects, according to MLB.com. And that's Zach Veen, who is projected to come up in 2024. He's a, he's definitely one of the names that's been floated around the prospect community. He's a, a very big asset for them coming up. Connor Joe, potentially too. He had a nice first season. He's kind of, I think, someone that as draft seasons pick up, his name's going to be floated around more because he could lead off for the Rockies. And that's very valuable. And he did pretty well in his short time there last year. So those are really the only assets right now. I don't think, I don't see them parting with Connor Joe or Zach Veen. I could see at the deadline if they're really struggling and a team's going to throw. Something at them for Herman Marquez. Potentially, he goes, but that—that's about it. Um, all right, Marty. Let's talk about possible targets that you could. Uh, maybe your team accepts or trade. Uh, Let me speak English. Possible off-season targets you think this team might bring in via a trade or free agency. Yeah, Obviously the Diamondbacks uh, are might not be spending that's big I mean. money.
3: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I can make this real quick. So they actually already signed uh, Mark Melanson. Um, To help, you know, boost their, their bullpen, it was one of the worst in baseball last year. So I think their next logical step is to get some more starting pitching. Now, whether that's, you know, bringing back like a Zach Granke or Michael Pineda, you know, I think they're just going to get a low tier, you know, somebody just to eat up some innings at the back end. Uh, I They're two years out from being any type of um, competitive team at all. So I don't see too many moves coming.
0: Well, I had the Rockies potentially getting Michael Pineda, so our teams are going to fight over him. (laughs) I think he wants
3: to come to Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: that's probably true. Doc, Padres, same question for you.
2: So I had a couple targets for them. Ketel Marte or Jose Ramirez, thinking of teams that are probably looking to tank. And once again, they have the assets to do that. I think it'd be interesting to see if they made a really aggressive push for someone like Cedric Mullins, who's going to be cheap, They could have for years to come, you know, obviously give the O's a huge overall. I think it's going to be interesting as we get closer to the trade deadline. I think they're going to be buyers and they're going to go for whichever team is looking to sell.
0: That's fair. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all in obviously. So they're going to keep doing what they're doing.
2: They put their Um, chips in the middle.
0: They are as much as any team. Brock, what about you? Any pieces? I know the Dodgers have a lot of guys already there. Is there, could there be some depth that they're looking to bring in there?
4: Uh, I, nobody really comes to mind for me. I mean, you know, kind of like we were mentioned there with the, with the pitchers, you know, they're going to, um, sign a couple guys that I think that they could bring in and, you know, maybe there's a chance that they can, uh, you know, get the most out of somebody and, um, somebody they can fill in when David Price is, is not able to be there or, or however that works out. But, um, you yeah, know, that's about it
3: for that.
0: Yeah. Rogers seemed pretty set cheesecake what about the giants i mean i think when you look at the giants you have to to look at
1: at the fact that their lineup is full of guys who are around 30 a lot of them overachieved last season and you know none of them none of them you're looking at not many you are looking at oh is there another level they can reach most of them are regression candidates right now they're sitting about 35 million dollars under what they spent last season, so to me that says that they got about thirty-five million dollars in spending room. I mean, they're if a team, of, if not more. And I think I should think that after last season, they might be willing to spend a little more. You don't want to be going from playoff cowboys. Put that in reverse. You know, reverse cowgirls. Then and then they're not. They're not in the <laughs> oh playoffs anymore. I just <laughs> name every. You know. You know. Load up the wheelbarrow, and bring the money. It's uh, Nick Castellanos, I think, is a great signing for them. They need a bat. They really need a bat. They need pitching depth as well. I love Zach Granke, the idea of Granky going to the Giants. Uh, There's some sports writers who love the idea of them making a run at Clayton Kershaw, but I I don't see Kershaw doing that. No. But I like Granke. I think Castellanos. I wouldn't mind like a Schwarber. I think Schwarber would be a nice pickup for them. Uh, but uh, they definitely need to bring in some, some bats. And the other question I have is, are they going to bring back some of the guys who, who did really well for them last year, who are free agents like Donovan Solano? Are they going to want to go forward with Tommy La at second base? Are they going to want to bring in more, more guys? Those are the questions I have. I think they're going to spend some money still though.
0: I like those calls. And I also like how you keep the same theme going. And I'm interested to see if you got any more as we keep going here. Uh, As far as the Rockies go, they had their outfielders have a 80, 71 and 96 OPS plus, which isn't necessarily horrible. But for having those be your numbers in Colorado, that's actually not very good. Um, Obviously, right now they have Romel Tapia, Garrett Hampson and Charlie Blackman, Connor Joe. um, Sam Hilliard is there. So he's got 14 homers and 238 plate appearances last year. Um, but he struck out 36.6% of the plate appearances when he did play. So I think that they might need a pitcher. Their pitching staff definitely needs some more arms there, so maybe like a Michael Pineda, a Danny Duffy maybe, or a, my favorite pitcher to always say for every team, Zach Davies.
2: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, uh,
0: I think Kyle Schwarber, if he was smart and wanted to get a big contract, he would sign with Colorado. Because can you imagine Kyle Schwarber in Colorado? I mean that that's a way to get you a big contract if you're mashing in and in, in the Rocky Stadium. So uh, maybe something like that would go there, especially if they have a DH, which would be a huge for um for you know for teams like that. But let's go into the last part of this segment here. Your team's realistic goals for 2022. So give us their final record and then your expectation as far as playoffs, purgatory, or a pushover. And we'll start with you Doc for the Padres.
2: So last year, Padres were seventy nine and eighty three, uh, missed the playoffs with all that talent and all that payroll. I'm going to say they improved by seven games this year, eighty six and seventy six, and sneak in as the second
4: wild card.
0: All right, make Padres fans happy. Brock, are the Dodgers winning a hundred games this year?
4: No, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm taking the under on that. I'm going to peg him as like a ninety two win team. Um, I I think. If they make, like, every move that I would hope that they make, like if they add a bat and the the, the DH comes to the National League so that Justin Turner can be the DH, um, like, if if everything falls their way, like, maybe I would push them up, like, a 95. But um, I'm going to say, like, 91, 92 wins. And that's really going to be – and even that's, like, contingent on them adding at least one starting pitcher – Um, I, I, if they don't add a starting pitcher, like I still think they're a playoff team. The offense is still good. Um, starting pitching won't be great, but with those young guys, I think they could find a way the bullpen will be good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to have them in the, in the low nineties. I'm going to have them, um, sneak into the playoffs like the Padres, um, uh but i I don't see a world series winner right here um it it's possible it's possible they can make it happen um but they're going to need to add to what they have now
0: yeah i mean obviously the dodgers will be always one of the top contending teams and uh they'll be interesting to see how it plays out especially with the padres back at full strength this year and the giants coming back with with how they look last year it's gonna be quite a fight in that in this division cheesecake you have those giants what's Mm -hmm. the expectation
1: I think that a lot is going to depend on what they do with their, their remaining room, their remaining spending room, because, you know, if, if their, if their roster sticks the way it is, are they going to get the same really excellent season from guys like Darren Ruff, Wilmer Flores, are they going to get the, the, the amazing Brandon belt season, the amazing Brandon Crawford, Crawford season. If their if their roster stays the way it is, I'm at least sixty nine percent sure they're not making the playoffs. Uh, but I think that as it is, they're like an eighty five win team. But if if they get the guy, if they sign you know some pitching depth with a Granke, if they get a Castellanos. I think they're a ninety win team, and they're fighting for that wild card. They're going to be fighting for that division again.
0: Yeah, I, it's going to be again very interesting. To watch how that plays out. Marty, me and you have the teams that are not going to be fighting for this division.
3: <laughs> yeah, there won't be much, uh, anything interesting over here. Push over. I think Arizona can do it, guys. They can get 100, 100 losses, 62 and 100.
0: <laughs> 62 and 100. God, that's just absolutely awful. <laughs> we're going to be fighting right there with you, Marty, us Colorado Rockians here. I expect a 74 and 87 record. Or I'm sorry, no, last year they were 74 and 87. I'd say they're gonna have a five game worse record this year. Go sixty-nine and ninety-two. Nice they lost Trevor Story, yes, <laughs> and Sonny Gray. So or I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, John Gray. John Gray. Sixty-nine okay. and ninety-two. That doesn't add up, David. Yes, it does. Sixty-nine, 69. and ninety-three. There you go.
3: No, no, sixty nine ninety two. Wait a second. One sixty-two. So ninety-three. Yeah. Nine plus <laughs> three
0: God. equals two. Goodness Gosh, gracious. <laughs> Gosh, David, I
2: i'm glad glad i freaking owned you in the last segment of the night
0: yeah that was i'm sorry i think i I was writing these notes up when i was supposed to be teaching so that's probably why they're very sloppy anyway who cares
2: who's the big brother now
0: all right let's go to the next segment of the night which is the question of the week and it is sponsored by monkey knife fight which of course triple play fantasy is an affiliate to monkey knife fight the fastest growing sports betting site in the united states And if you're a new depositor, you receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code Triple Play. So Doc's question this week, which sounded familiar because I think he used it on the football show too.
2: Yeah, just following your lead.
0: Is what MLB player do you think throws the wildest parties? Or if you use proper English, which MLB player do you think throws the wildest parties? So this is a very interesting question. Uh, Not... I don't think too many MLB players are out there as much as NFL players are. So maybe I'm forgetting somebody. But uh, while we're thinking here, does anybody have one right off the top of the head? Doc, what was your question? Something you have somebody.
2: So I was thinking Juan Soto. Juan Soto is 23, so he still might be in prime drinking age. Is he, is he 23? He's 23. He just turned 23 a couple I months ago. I he was ago. younger than that. A couple of months ago, he turned 23 in August, so he's still in tr- in prime drinking phase. Got a lot of personality, you know, staring down the pitchers. And he, you know, think about when we were 23. Like, we could just drink easily and bounce back the next day and do it again. I, mean, I could see him drinking and then going out and, you know, having a two for three for with two home run, four RBI type of day. His body can handle it.
0: Okay. Juan Soto leads us off. I don't think that's going to be the best answer, though. Anybody have another one?
3: Yeah, I have mine. Um, I'm going to go with – because he is 20 years old, this is how I imagine our day. So, Wanda Franco, we're going out partying. He's picking me up in his uh, his BMW that he bought way before he had a big contract. So, who knows where he got that from. But anyway, we're, we're going to be in Tampa. We're going to head to uh, – we're going to head a little south to Orlando. We're going to Disneyland or Disney World. That's what we're doing, man. Me and the 20-year-old, we're going to be, you know, having just a good day down there. I'm thinking, <laughs> Ep- I'm thinking Epcot. I think Epcot's gonna be good, and then uh, finish out with Magic Kingdom. You know, we'll have the ears on. It'll be a good time.
0: A different type of party. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah. I I like that. I like that.
3: We. Lock- I can't wait to hear our chance. <laughs> oh.
2: You were
0: starting to say one.
1: Uh, I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll I'll go with. I'm going real quick. I'm going with Derek Jeter. I know he's retired, but the man is loaded. Mm. He's in Florida. The man is a sex symbol, so I'm just going to attach myself to him. He's going to throw a great house party. A bunch of people are going to want to be around him. And uh, it's going to be at a sweet house, like one of those houses where people jump from balconies into swimming pools. You know what I'm talking about? And I want to be there. Me and Gita we're going to party.
3: You want your almost famous famous moment?
0: I want my almost famous (laughs) moment, exactly. Uh, what What are you thinking, Brock?
3: Yeah, I'm.
4: Uh, I'm going with Tatis, man. Like you mm. see, like Tatis and Machado and those guys after they hit a home run, and they like, you know, like all the guys, like all the, all the different players have like their their handshakes that they do and stuff like that. But like Tatis and Machado and those guys, like they don't have a handshake. Those guys like dance. Like it's a full on dance. It's a whole like I, I could just see those guys like having a party after the game, like traditional uh latin music playing and like you know kind of like that that scene there you know big pool people jumping out of the second floor um but like Mm -hmm. dancing and partying and stuff like that like i want to party with those guys
0: no i think that that ties in exactly with my answer too because you talk about those type of guys with that personality then you also take the scene they're in and talk about francisco lindor who is as much Mm -hmm. of a a guy that's going to go and do that type of stuff tatis does but he's also in new york So it's like you can imagine Uh going to his, you know, big whatever he has in New York, his house or whatever is multi-story in the city or however he does it. But I feel like Francisco Lindor, Fernando Tatis, all those guys would definitely be good. I'm trying to think. I mean, Brian Wilson might be the best of all time. I feel like he was had to have been the best. Uh, So
2: I looked up a thing on there and it ranked him and Wade Boggs was number 1 cuz like he drinks <laughs> beer a lot of it and then like the top 10 are like people from like the 50s and 60s Mickey Mantle oh, yeah. so it's like Doing yeah that, these dudes yeah. yeah like these dudes would get trash like a doc good and of like yo he would do coke and then throw a complete game can't do yeah. that today
0: no yeah you can't all right let's go to the last segment of the night which is the game of the week and doc is hosting so what game are we playing
2: All right. So I did a little bit of research and we're going to see how well, you know, the recent history of your respective teams. So Marty, being a Tigers fan, David, a Twins, Barack, a Dodgers and then Art Cubs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a certain category. Look, let's say the player with the highest batting average since 2010. You would get a first point if you tell me the player. And then if you get the player right, you can advance to move on. Can you you
0: just repeat yourself? You said if you guess the player, you get a point, and then and then
2: so like let's say you, David, you said Brian Dozier, that was the right answer. Then you have a chance to get the second point,
0: which is what's
2: Whoever 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 gets closest. I didn't do batting average. Like so, for example, the first one is home runs. So which player has the most home runs in a single season for your respective team from 2010 to 2021? So if you get the the
0: second point, is guessing the number.
2: Yeah, but you can only gotcha. get the second point if you get the first one. So gotcha. the way that so gotcha. the way the second point yeah. works yeah. is whoever advances to the second round, whoever gets closest gets one, and if you get the number exactly, you get an additional two. So maximum right. three. Okay, so David, at- David, we're starting with with you, and it's home runs. Who hit the most home runs for the Twins in a season from 2010 to 2021? Uh,
0: I'm pretty sure it was because Maurer had his breakout i think it was 2009 his mvp season when he hit that i want to say it was it's uh brian dozier's 42
2: all right so you got three points brock brock we're going to you yeah uh bellinger at 46 bellinger at 47 you get one point all right marty
3: uh Miguel Cabrera which I think will be the answer a lot of times for this the Tigers but um uh 49
2: 44 you get 1 point damn it R two for the Cubs
1: um I think it's Chris Bryant with like 38
2: Chris Bryant with 39 you get 1 point okay Oh we we out here early let's go All
4: right all right
2: So next Brock is starting off with this
4: the stolen base leaders Oh, that would have been uh, D Gordon's 40 41. I'm not no, going to say I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going
2: to I'm not going to say the answer yet because if nobody gets closest then you're going to get that point. But you did not get the number exactly. I'm locking you into 41 on that. Marty okay. to you.
3: Um Austin Jackson 29.
2: Rajai Davis
3: God, whatever Lord, Austin, Rasha Davis
1: Art. Um, we never have anyone who steals bases.
2: I can't wait to hear who has it.
1: <laughs> um, so our our best base stealer, um, shoot, I, I, I have no idea. Oh, uh, H- Javi Baez 24, Tony Campara.
4: Oh, oh that's gotta, that's, that's messed me. up. That's deep, yeah.
2: That's <laughs> All right, David to You.
0: The two names that came to mind were Brian Dozier and Byron Buxton, but Buxton's like never healthy enough to, to steal a bunch of bases. Um that was after Prime Denard Span. Um Carlos Gomez that was after Carlos Gomez too. all right i'm gonna say brian dozier and i'm gonna say 31
2: ben revere with 40 so Ah, yeah so brock got two points that round so we got two categories left and then i have a tiebreaker all right so marty we're starting with you saves
3: um uh, i'm not not todd jones what's what was that big guy's name papa grande um jose Valverde, 49 marty
2: with two points he was 49 for 49 that that's season.
0: a that's a good pull marty that's a good
2: all right art to you uh top saves
1: uh like i think wade davis had a really good season for us and uh i'm going to say it's like 36?
2: Incorrect, Carlos Marmol.
0: Carlos Marmol, okay, yeah.
2: All right, David, to you for Twins.
0: I'm going to have a, a, a name poll here. I, I think, I can't think of anybody over the last few seasons that really stacked up saves because Ryan Presley was like a setup man and we traded him. Is it Glenn Perkins with 36.
2: David with another two. Is that really it? Holy yeah. crap. Holy crap. All right, Brock, Brock, you probably know who it is. Yeah, it's, it's
4: definitely Kenley be because Eric Gagne was like before uh, so 2010. Two. Um,
2: so it's Kenley, but what number? 40, you got to get... 46. 47. So you only get one point on that. <laughs> cool. So we got David who's got six. We've got Brock with four. We've got Marty with three, and Art with one going into the final question right here. And Art, we're starting with you. Mm-hmm. Starting pitcher wins.
1: Um, the leader in starting pitcher with uh oh um John Lester, not no yeah John Lester at twenty.
2: Arietta twenty two. Oh, David, to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Oh my
0: God, our, our pitching's been so bad for I, long I, I, I yeah, I remember.
2: really enjoyed looking at this category to see how bad <laughs> your pitching's been.
0: After the Santana and Liriano days, uh, Jose Barrios has been like the only really good pitcher over the last few seasons we've had that I can think of. Um, I feel like there was one year where uh, Ricky Nolasco got some wins for us, but that was a while back. I'm going to say um I'm not going to get this at all. I- I'm just going to say it's Barrios with 16.
2: Carl Pavano with 17.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew it was. I remember it was just someone that outperformed what they did. All right. Brock. Man.
4: I'm gonna go with Kershaw. I know both he and Grinky in 16 were like neck and neck. So that's one point. Yeah, if you get
2: words. if you get the number exactly right, you win the game.
4: I'm pretty sure on the like last game of the season, he won number 20.
2: Okay, and then Marty,
3: uh, Justin Verlander, uh, 21.
2: All right, so Brock. Clayton Kershaw won 21. So you tie with David. Justin Verlander was the right answer, but 24.
4: Mm. So
2: Brock and David, you guys each have six. So this is going to be the tiebreaker question. All right. The, mo- the most amount of wins that you've had in a season from 2010 to 2021. And whoever gets closest will get the point and win the King game. Win. Yeah, team, team wins. Like team wins. Team wins. David, you go first.
0: Oh my god, I want to say there was one year we were. I think it was ninety-one wins.
2: So David, you're locking
0: in ninety-one. I'm locking in ninety-one. Okay, Brock.
4: Yeah, it was this. It was this year for the Dodgers. I got an easy one. It was this year. Oh damn it! But, yeah, I know, right? It was it was uh was one hundred five or one hundred six. And the Giants won one, will say one hundred and five.
0: Can I change my answer, since I didn't, um since you didn't say anything yet? Fine, ninety six is my answer.
2: So you're locking in at ninety six, and Brock, what are, you, what are you locking in at? One hundred and five. All right. Well, David, the most the Twins won was one hundred and one in twenty nineteen. Did they really yeah. win that many games? Yeah, yeah, they
1: had a big yeah,
2: and Brock. I mean, the Dodgers had 106 in 2019, so you
0: are the winner. Oh, oh man. God, that that hurts after I felt <laughs> a lead, too. Oh man, that was just one. like the twins.
2: <laughs> David, David, I swear, I swear you get the superlative. Wait wait, 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 wait. I said this year. Uh so I'm looking at this year. I think it was one oh five this year, but they had one oh six in twenty nineteen. Well, yeah, but so I got
4: the year wrong. But you got to get the year right before. No, no. Whoever gets oh, closest, God. the oh. year
2: was the tiebreaker. Right. So, since okay. you were okay. one
4: win away. All
2: right. Um,
4: I, I I have a question for for you though. Um, what are you guys doing tomorrow night? Can we play this game again tomorrow night? <laughs> I <Like, laughs> right? got do. Like I got a draft to do, but I totally got time. We can play this game again tomorrow night. I'm down. That's all. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> that was a nah, good game, Doc. That was, was a,
2: that
0: was good. Good thinking of that one.
2: Hey, appreciate it.
0: Oh yeah. Well, on that note, and, Brock, and you the could best take
2: part. David, like I said, you always blow the game. It makes me so happy. I'm
0: always like in the finals, and I always lose it. It's annoying. <laughs> uh, but Brock, on that note, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It's always a blast with you on here.
4: I did. I'm. I am not kidding. I had a great time. I mean, I could totally just do this again tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> so obviously, that's not going to happen. But you know, you guys uh, need me back out there. Let me know. I did want to plug real quick. Of course, FTN, yeah. Our draft guide is coming out tomorrow. I'm pretty sure it's tomorrow. No, it's not tomorrow. I already, I'm off. It's uh, the 23rd, which would be Thursday. So that draft guide is going to be out. Like, like I'm in there, but whatever. Nobody cares about that. But like <laughs> some of the best writers. I mean, everybody's fi- favorite, Michael Goveier. Um, you know, Alex Chamberlain. I mean, some of the best writers. Of course, Vlad, our, our, our fearless leader, um, Vlad Sedler um yeah draft guides coming out it's gonna be amazing um f- full of just everything you're gonna need um so hit me up check out ftn uh fantasy on twitter yeah there you find me at Brock Nest monster sorry me too they had a great group over
0: there and you'll be mm-hmm. probably hearing this assuming i think cheesecake puts this out usually on uh wednesdays or the next day so you'll probably be hearing this on wednesday so that means you'll hear it tomorrow the guide should be coming out and you'll be able to obtain that and again like Brock said, it's some of the best minds in the fantasy baseball business. So you want to make sure that you can go ahead and get that guide, get a jump on your league mates, make sure you can win, take some, some leagues this year, win some money. So definitely make sure you do all that. Everybody that uh, tuned into the show, whether you watch the podcast or you watch the YouTube and you listen to the podcast, however you like to do it, thank you. Next week we'll be joined by another great guest for another fun episode. But until then, everyone stay safe. Enjoy the offseason. And we're going to make like a break truck and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.